as we near the end of the letter of Galatians, we've got a couple more weeks, and we think about Paul and the Galatian church and all that he's written to the church to encourage them, to, to strengthen them, and in some cases to admonish them in order for them to be the church the Lord intended for them to be. What about us? What about us as a church, the church which God intends us to be? I want you to think about this question. When the time comes, how will we have made the best investment of ourselves and all we bring to the church. Paul begins this morning referring to the relationship between a preacher and, and, and a church ministry and, the, and a congregant, those who come to, who are part of the church. Galatians chapter 6 this morning, starting with verse 6, Paul says, "...the one who is taught the Word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him." Paul is speaking to this relationship between the teacher and the, and the student, the, the preacher and the congregant. And what's the teacher's responsibility? Well, varied responsibilities during the week, but Sunday morning at, at 9 and at 11, my responsibility is to do what I'm doing now. To, we, we break open the Word, we, we see what God's Word says. Not what Jake thinks God's Word says, but see what this says. And to teach the Word, and, and the student's responsibility, well, to share all good things with the teacher. And this, this original language, the original language here says must share. So, so what does this mean? Well, there's, there's two things. It speaks to the giving and the tithing and local con- contributions to the local church. Uh, and it's never fun for a preacher to bring up. Well, not to this preacher. <laughs> uh, There are those preachers out there who work the subject of the practice of giving financially into the content of every message they preach. Some thrive on preaching about giving. But that's not me. In our over three and a half years together, I shy away from mentioning money. I don't like to mention it because it makes me uncomfortable. I don't bring it up unless the Scripture that we're studying points to it. When preaching through the Bible by books or letters as we do, since since I've been with you, that's that's how we do this. Um, I don't preach topical. I preach preach letters and books. Um, When these passages come up, we don't ignore them, do we? When they come up, I don't preach on it often, but when it comes up, we don't ignore it because it's part of the letter. Yeah, amen. We don't cherry-pick, or I don't cherry-pick what I preach. Difficult issues come up when we read God's Word. And from the beginning to the end of, of these letters and books, be the issues of lifestyle or sexuality or money, Scripture provides definites, specifics about what we term, what I term hot topics. Um, so the passage refers to that. But the passage can also refer to this. It doesn't say it doesn't, but if, if we zoom out a little bit, the passage can also refer to other applications of ministry. Sharing in ministry. Sharing in areas of service and prayer. For instance, we have immediate need of help 
in our children's discipleship area. You see that in the bulletin today. We have immediate, immediate need. Sometimes hearing about money is easier, isn't it? <laughs> uh, we have immediate need. And these are opportunities and needs that we, that we can share. A dear friend of mine, years ago in a, in a former church, who had a point of view that she didn't feel she needed to serve in the children's area because, in her words, she'd already done her time. I've raised my kids. I don't need to do that anymore. She refused to, to see that she could make an investment in the life of a younger mom or a younger family. Her outlook was, when sharing that opportunity to invest, her response was, well, nobody did it for me. She totally missed the point. We always want to be about following what the Lord says as we live in this season. Not the season of the year, but, but this season of our lives before either the Lord returns or we're called home to be with Him. End of life scenario. We're not guaranteed tomorrow, are we? Paul says in verse 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a person sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Do not be deceived. That, this is what is called an imperative. It's a command. It's a warning. Do not be deceived. The Lord will not be ridiculed. God is not, will not be mocked. For whatever a person sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap destruction but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life. And you've heard the phrase, we will reap what we sow. I've heard some people talk about karma. <laughs> or what comes around goes around. Well, what comes around goes around. It's biblical. I'm not saying karma. I'm not, again, I don't, we don't ascribe to an Eastern belief system like that. But God's Word tells us what we reap, we will sow. Paul has talked about this tension, this battle between the flesh, self, following our own way, wanting our own way, and the tension between the flesh and, and the spirit, following the will of God, the desire of God. And we've seen that in Galatians 5, that, that the desire of the flesh is against the spirit. They're in opposition. They're incompatible. I told you a couple weeks ago, I'll tell you again today, self and spirit do not walk side by side. The further we walk by the spirit, the further away we move from the things of self. That's a good thing. But, but <laughs> the opposite is true. The further we walk by the flesh and our own will and our own desire and our own stuff, the further away we move from the things of God and His spirit. Paul gave us a list of the deeds of the flesh and self in chapter 5, verse 19 of this letter, and he said they're evident. The deeds of the flesh are evident. They're obvious. And he listed them, starting with sexual immorality and impurity and indecent behavior. Like money, they're not fun to talk about. 
but they're here. And, and then the list kind of went on, and, and it, built, it built in terms of intensity, starting with sexual immorality and building through things like hostilities and strife and jealousies and envy and, and through dissensions and factions, and it builds all the way to what I think is the absolute worst one. Things like these. Things like these. You see, Paul is saying, in essence, it's not really too hard to figure out what's right and what's wrong. We really don't have to think too hard about it. How did he say it in verse 19 in chapter 5? They are evident. They are obvious. The one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction. And, and, and the other side of that is the, this idea of the fruits of the Spirit. Paul has referred to the fruits of the Spirit in, in chapter 5, verse 22 of Galatians, and we looked at this a couple weeks ago, this list of the fruits of the Spirit. and I know there's the old song, the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness and the faithfulness, the gentleness and self-control. There's a list of them. And what, what Paul says that if, if we're thinking about the things of God and we're invested in the things of God and His Word and we're talking to God and praying and studying His Word and then what's going to happen, His Holy Spirit will begin to, to work in our lives and we will have these manifestations of His Spirit, the love and the joy and the peace. Uh, and joy, I don't mean happy. It may not be always happy, but you can have joy because of His deep abiding presence in your life. Amen. And we had this great example of sowing fruit and reaping fruit at the beginning of chapter 6. We saw last time there, there was a time to bring a brother who had made some bad choices to bring him back into the fold. And, and Paul said at the beginning of chapter 6 that if a person is caught in any such wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, meaning you are, <laughs> you're, you're exhibiting these fruits of the Spirit... You're displaying these elements found in the fruits, the love and the joy and the peace. If you claim to be a spiritually fruitful person, then you're to restore that one who's caught up in wrong in a spirit of gentleness, in a spirit of self-awareness. We're not to be tempted. You know, we, we're, we're being humble and we're saying, you know, I, I'm a sinner too, and, and I, as God has extended me grace and love, I want to extend this to my, to my brother. You know, we should have that compassion and patience and kindness in order to, to help that individual. And the thing about fruit, healthy physical life, healthy physical life comes from healthy spiritual fruit. And that healthy spiritual fruit, that has been manifested by a healthy spiritual life, meaning if we are invested in the things of God, if we are trying to stay in communion and in fellowship with the Lord through word, through His Word and through prayer, and then, then that's going to become evident in our spiritual lives. We will have healthy... We're doing healthy things. And what happens, that manifests itself in healthy spiritual fruit. And then in turn, there's a progression. A healthy physical life will come from that. 
whatever a person sows, this he will also reap. Paul says in verse 9, he says, Let's not become discouraged in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not become weary. In due time we will reap. When the time comes. And, and this time, this due time, as hard as it is, was hard for me to understand. This will always be the best time. Sometimes I, I think that I have a better idea of what's going on than the Lord does. I don't know if any of you all can relate to that. <laughs> um, and I don't understand why God's timing doesn't always line up with mine. <laughs> but God's timing is always perfect. Always. Amen. It, it, it is. And <laughs> as hard as, as it is to understand, and we're told in due time we will reap if we do not become weary. Weary physically. Weary Mentally, weary spiritually. And when we're weary, we can do some, ministerially speaking, we can do some stupid things. Stupid, stupid things. When we become weary. Stupid things which line up less with the fruits of the Spirit and they line up more with the deeds of the flesh, if we're not careful. And when I'm weary... I try to remember these words which are found in Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 and 28. We read the following. Do you not know? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired? <laughs> His understanding is unsearchable. We can't fathom His understanding. He gives strength to the weary. And to the one who lacks might, he, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous, young men stumble badly. Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run. They will not get tired. They will walk. They won't become weary. So then, Paul says, while we have opportunity, let's do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Therefore, so then, that's, that's emphasis, while we have the opportunity, let's not become discouraged. Let's do good to all people, especially to those who are of the, of the household of faith. I, I love to see our church care for its membership. And I'm also thankful to witness the gift of benevolence that our church manifests. There's lots of community needs. Actually, they're increasing in our culture, in our economy, in our, in our day. And I'm glad that we are able to get involved to help meet those needs. We're called, we're called to help. 
while we have the opportunity, while we have the opportunity, while we still have the opportunity in this due time, in verse 9 and 10, there's a word. Well, the word for time in verse 9, I want you to see this, is different than the word that means chronological time or chronos. We think of it's almost lunchtime. <laughs> that's a, what's called chronos type time. The word that's used here is one called kairos. And I point this out for a reason. That word means event time. A fitting season, a, a special occasion, a, an opportunity. And so that word in verse 9 for time is that word kairos. Well, in verse 10, you see this word opportunity right there at the beginning of the verse, and it's the same word in the original language. It's a different noun case, but it's the same word, and it's the special event occasion God event time. It's not accidental that this is what the Lord intended. Again, we always want to be about following what the Lord says as we live in this season. And a few weeks ago, I shared with you this very same word when we talked about the fullness of time. This special occasion, this opportunity, this due time. And this was in regard to outreaching those lives to whom we are connected as neighbors, as former work associates, folks we've known for a long time who are between churches. Maybe, maybe they live in our neighborhood, maybe they don't, but maybe we worked with them 20 years ago. But we know them. They, their lives are probably run, running similarly to ours. They're in the same age groups as we are. And these will be, be the lives which we will probably have the best opportunity to most quickly get connected to our church. And these lives will in turn help us connect to to those in our immediate neighborhood. As I shared with you, our immediate neighborhood has changed. And we, we are coming to the reality that we have less and less and less and less in common with our immediate neighborhood. But we still have a responsibility, this special occasion, this due time, to connect them to the things of God. Why would you trunk or treat? That's, what's, that's an example. We have a retail business that is moving in right across the street. Folks, what an opportunity to go over there. I want us to welcome that store to our neighborhood anybody that's coming in, anybody that's going out to present an encouraging word to being a friendly neighbor. What, what the Lord drops in our lap. Probably me even talking about it right now, some maybe are thinking, oh. <laughs> But look what God is giving us. Mm. This special occasion, this special time. 
while we have the opportunity, let's do good to all people. What's the very best good that we can do? The very best, the greatest good we can do is to connect someone to God through the gospel. In this time, in this season. Again, we want to always be about following what the Lord says as we live in this season. So the question that that I ask at the beginning of our time today, when, when the time comes, how will we have made the best investment of ourselves and all that we bring to the church? All we bring to the church.